and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Wallace Report. I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. Today we have with us three um, explosive guests. Dark? Dark? Oh, explosive. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Paul Wilcox. <laughs> Projectile guests. <laughs> Paul Wilcox. Uh, happy to be here. Doug Gobeski. Hello. And Kevin Fredevog. Hello. Excited to be back. And we are here discussing the 68th installment of the Merry Marvel Movie March. It is the June 2019 film Dark Phoenix, also known as X-Men Dark Phoenix in some places. Uh, I guess maybe they thought that people didn't see the movie because they didn't think it was X-Men related. <laughs> oh, is so, the title really just Dark Phoenix? So when I saw it in the theaters, it was just Dark Phoenix. Huh. I watched it today on Disney Plus. It was X Men Dark Phoenix, and I what? had to go on an internet search to verify that I wasn't crazy. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! It was X Men Dark Phoenix on Disney Plus. That's how it's titled, yo. It's definitely Dark Phoenix on Google Play. You mean like the I'm title card this. inside the movie as well? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, no, it's definitely Dark Phoenix. I'm gonna. Check you watched the X Men cut. We didn't all watch the same film, apparently. <laughs> I do know it was called X-Men Dark Phoenix Overseas. At least that's what Wikipedia said. So should we wait for Doug to return after checking his own rental? Yeah, I'm, I have it muted so that you don't hear the uh, PlayStation sounds. Are you fast forwarding to the title card or are you just watching the entire show? <laughs> well, this is some of the best bits. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's when you have the high hopes. That's right. That's when you settle in this movie. You're like, this could be okay. Yeah, there we go. Wasn't. <laughs> I'm glad he just gave us that. <laughs> All right, this is turned into like a horror game. <laughs> Listen to this sound bite to figure out. What was the answer? Hold on. What do you mean a hold on? You were at the countdown. You were basically there. There's your answer. Oh, you took a photo. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow, that's significantly different. It's significantly different in that the word X-Men is missing. <laughs> I think Dark Phoenix is still centered in the same place in the screen. They just put X-Men on top. Yeah, I'm just assuming yeah. that's how computers work. You just add things. Well. It's not like they're optically creating a new title card. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe I mean, they, yeah, uh... you could just replace it by a new title card, or I guess you could just <laughs> modify the frames that exist to throw other... I don't know. Why are we I talking about just... this? <laughs> they they filmed the whole movie from a TV on a smartphone and then like put it in there afterwards like and hope that the TikTok text like lined up with it. <laughs> X-Men Dark Phoenix is the story of I don't know, Charlie, what's this about? I don't even I don't even know what this is fake about anymore. <laughs> X-Men Dark Phoenix is the story of Jean Grey goes into space with the rest no, of no, the No, 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 oh, no, right. no, 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 no. You're doing the <laughs> Dennis <one>. Dennis Grey. <laughs> no, Dennis Dark Phoenix. I know that much. <laughs> X-Men Dark Phoenix yeah. is the story of Dennis X-Man Dark Phoenix, who <laughs> has this problem where he just explodes randomly. And he ends up hurting the people he loves by being near them when he explodes. And Now, I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. when you say explode, do you mean literal or emotional? Oh, literal. 
literally. Oh, he's like, actually very, something. very calm person, very composed, even when he explodes. And so after he accidentally kills his uncle, he inherits the ex mansion and has to find a way to control his explosion so he doesn't blow up the house he inherited. And uh, he's unsuccessful. <laughs> We, at the end of the movie is just him and the charred remains of a house with no family or friends to speak of. <laughs> so, uh, Adam, then what's this movie actually about? Dark Phoenix or X-Men Dark Phoenix, if you're nasty, is the story <laughs> of Jean Grey, who we last saw in X-Men Apocalypse, kicking Apocalypse's butt. And she goes into space to rescue the Endeavor space shuttle along with her fellow X-Men, but absorbs a cosmic force that I don't actually think is named in the movie, but all comics fans know is called the Phoenix Force that gives her superpowers and she starts going crazy and and killing people and blowing things up and it's up to the rest of the x-men to kill her slash rescue her delete according to preference <laughs> is that sufficient yeah yeah i think so do i have any sentences left over i think i was I thought that was good all right because i have one more sentence if you need it throw on another sentence this is the second attempt to adapt the Dark Phoenix storyline after X-Men The Last Stand, and it's written by the same person as that one. <laughs> oh, no. Who thought that was a good idea? Yeah, but, it makes a lot but, of sense now that I know it, but... This time he directed it, too, didn't he? Oh. He did. That's uh, Simon Kinberg's directorial debut. Which we'll talk about, but first, the golden question. Had you seen this movie before? I had seen this movie before. Honestly, I was kind of looking forward to this episode of the Merry Marvel Movie March because for a while we've had, you know, pretty good to great superhero vehicles for quite some time, in fact. And so I was really looking forward to just getting to another box just to take the vehicle <laughs> metaphor a little further because i saw this in the theaters and at some point long before this movie came out you know i had learned to adjust my expectations low when seeing movies in the theater because if you get your expectations low then you're pleasantly surprised and you're like hey that was actually an okay movie or wow this was amazing this is what i generally do and i set my expectations to their usual low level actually i think it was a little lower than you usual because the news coming out production news of this movie had been kind of uh kind of sounded semi-chaotic as a shoot so i set them low i watched the movie in the theaters and i learned that i had not set them low enough and uh spent basically the whole time in the movie theater just very grumpy <laughs> real flashbacks to the time i saw fant Forstick in the movie theater <laughs> just like ah i hate this movie i hadn't seen it since I'd kept half an eye out for a, like a Blu-ray sale, but I think ever since Disney bought 20th Century Fox. So before Disney bought 20th Century Fox, there'd usually be like essentially a Black Friday fire sale on recent Fox DVD releases, which is why I was picking up like X-Men Apocalypse for $5 and things like that. But since Disney bought them, that doesn't really seem to have happened. So I didn't buy Dark Phoenix on any sort of sale. When I looked through the used bargain bins at the various you know used media places around here, it hasn't reached there yet. So consequently, I hadn't seen it until again today when I just watched it on Disney+. Plus. That was a long anecdote about had you seen it before, but so I felt it know. needed to be told. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had not seen this before. Heard it wasn't good. Plus, <laughs> I mean, I think as we discussed before, I hadn't seen any of the movies with this cast in it to that point either. So didn't have a lot of continuity to follow up on. Uh, I had not seen this. You know, was really holding out for the podcast, you know, till I watched it today. 
Yeah, there's always got to be one you save for the march where you're like, you know what? I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna go in cold. Mm-hmm. No, no expectations. Nothing tainting my view whatsoever before. <laughs> say yeah. that because i knew very well many opinions on this movie in general i will say going into it watching it this time i was slightly curious if i would get an electra effect because when i saw electra in the theater i also thought that was the worst thing ever and then when we rewatched it for the march i was like eh, okay it's not very good but it's not the worst thing ever <laughs> it was like and i wonder seems to like it <laughs> and i wondered if i was going to get why. a similar uh, feeling for dark phoenix and we'll find out but back to doug I had meant to go see this in the theaters, and by the time I got around to it, it was already out of the AMC theater, and I just, uh, it wasn't worth it to go to the other theaters. Uh, And then my next chance to watch it was last year when I had HBO Max. I was like, what do we got on here? Oh, Dark Phoenix. Hey, Adam, should I watch this? And he's like, well, you're going to have to watch it again for the March. Uh, I was like, um, hmm. Now you're coming you to a movie what? twice. You know what? <laughs> <Instead of> once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the right decision because I feel like I can now divide my life into two halves before seeing this movie and after seeing this movie. BDP and ADP. I gotta say, I might need therapy. Wow. <laughs> How about you, Kevin? I also had not seen the movie. I don't define my life quite as distinctly that way on, you know, a dark <laughs> phoenix basis. But no, I mean, had had not seen it before. I don't have much else to say about it but that. I honestly kind of forgot it existed until I got invited to this podcast a couple days ago, which tells you most of what you need to know about the movie. Yeah, so production background, uh, I guess Apocalypse did well enough that they were like, let's make another. And Simon Kinberg, who, as I said, co-wrote X-Men The Last Stand and had been involved in possibly all of the subsequent X-Men movies, certainly like the main line, I think. Reportedly, he was unsatisfied with how Last Stand had handled the Dark Phoenix storyline. And since they had a new cast and a new timeline, he was kind of itching to get a chance to go back and do Dark Phoenix properly. And we can discuss if he was successful or not. As I said when I was discussing, if I'd seen it before, yeah, behind-the-scenes production seemed slightly chaotic. I don't know if it was, honestly, if it was more chaotic than any other, like, tentpole superhero movie, but there were reports that they'd had to reshoot the ending and change things and whatnot. Last time on the march, I think it was last time, or the time before, uh, I mentioned that the rumor had been that Dark Phoenix had changed its entire third act because it was too similar to Captain Marvel. And according to Simon Kinberg, that's not quite true it wasn't captain marvel it was apparently captain america's civil war he decided that the ending was too close to the ending of that and the original ending for stark phoenix i think was something like they were going to have a big battle in new york like bigger than the one that we got outside the branch building or whatever that place was stuff was going to go down uh the other thing main change was that uh, originally the aliens in question that are looking for the phoenix force were going to be the scrolls that's why they're shape changers and stuff 
they learned pretty late on, I think, that they didn't actually have the rights to the scrolls, and so mm. they changed it to the Dabari, who in the comics are the race of beings who were killed by the Phoenix Force when Jean Grey becomes Dark Phoenix and goes out into the universe. That's that race. But yeah, it was pretty chaotic. Uh, lots of things changing all the time. I believe Jessica Chastain has a said something to the effect of that she didn't know her character was named Vuk or Vuk or whatever it is until she saw the movie at the premiere or whatever <laughs> wow so yeah a lot of chaos behind the scenes but they put the movie out as the final <laughs> gasp basically of the x-men movies under the 20th century fox umbrella there's also the new mutants to come but that's more of a spin-off such a bizarre choice to do this storyline again because the first thing i thought when it started out was like did they just use footage from a movie we've seen what movie was this that we already saw this and then it started to make sense as it went farther along yeah that i'm not getting i think with a car crash like was that not in no, anything we've I, seen before? I definitely i don't think so uh, I think that's, I think you're thinking of Shazam. Shazam. I mean, he's always thinking of Shazam. That's but... <laughs> <laughs> Never not thinking about Shazam. The bushes baked beans of movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shazam has a car crash in near the beginning of the movie. I think so. Old style car crash though, right? Like forties. kind. Yeah. Of yeah. This was really only a me thing, but I like how the title caption card announced it was 1975. And then the first song that Jean Grey telekinetically turns the radio to is a 1978 song. <laughs> I was like, okay, Werewolves of London is definitely 1978. It's definitely not 1975. Are they supposed to believe we're idiots? Well, look, you knew look, the movie it, was it had to do from the beginning. That's right. It had to do with the alternate timeline and when the Vietnam War ended and such, I assume. That's a good point, too, because like, it goes out of its way to tell us what time it is. And we know based on the timelines of the other movies. But then they're like, it's 1992. And OK, sure. So the Endeavor. Right. But beyond that, I couldn't even sense this wasn't happening like in 2020. Right. Yeah. I had that exact <laughs> feeling. 2019. Oh, yeah. 2020, sure, sure. they'd all be masked up. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed how they had the, the car crash and this sedan just flips over and the truck that they hit is nowhere to be seen yeah that occurred to me as well <laughs> like it didn't look like it got it that bad they probably could have like turned around you know yeah <laughs> they just drove off 1975 was just a different era i guess but yeah, I agree with you, Charlie. Like, I definitely was at, at various points. I was like, okay, what is 1992 about any of this? <laughs> like, the song that Dazzler's singing doesn't feel particularly 90s. None of the clothes they're wearing feel particularly 90s. It's like they just replaced flat screens with, like, CRTs. Like, but the one in the bar that was clearly, like, from wa- long before 1992. Well, that makes sense for a bar, right? enough, yeah. You know, they'd have a TV from the late 70s or something. Yeah, and it's weird because the other films in the series do have a definite sense of time. And this one stands out as not having that at all. Well, sort of. So in preparation for this movie, I went and re-listened to the X-Men Apocalypse podcast because that was the best way for me to remember what had happened in X-Men Apocalypse. (laughs) And uh, we do complain at various points about how they don't lean into the 80s-ness very much. Uh Although we do acknowledge that it leans into it harder than Wonder Woman 84 did. (laughs) (laughs) Also, X-Men Apocalypse... conditioned to have the decade just like shoved in our faces constantly. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) 
I guess the other thing that I found difficult to suspend my disbelief over, I guess, is just it felt like the new old cast the not Magnetos and Professor X's, like the new group, felt way too young for it relative to 1992. Like, I had to keep reminding myself, like, oh, Jean Grey is supposed to be, like, 25 years old at this point or something, and not 18 and secretly, you know, sneaking alcoholic punch at a party. Right. (laughs) Yeah, wait, I was trying to process what was going on at that party. I was like, is this the sanctioned teen drinking party at the X-Men? It's like the camp counselors, you know, <laughs> going out okay. after dark. So I was like, really like, is this legal? What's going on here? So uh, I found it really hard to just remind myself like, oh, yeah, uh, these people can all legally rent cars, right? Like, like I wasn't convinced they could all legally smoke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyone else feel that or was that just me? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. The movie even kind of leans into it with the way Mystique talks to uh, Professor X about like, oh, you know, you're, you know, we should be protecting these kids from you, like really still treating them as if they were like old teenagers rather than as old as they must be relative to how old they were in in apocalypse well so she's eight when the car crash happens in 75 right right so therefore 92 that is like 25 i think right if i'm doing the math right yep Mm -hmm. so yeah we have to protect these 25 year old children (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i definitely i don't really think i thought about it explicitly but i did not think of them as being that old yeah i thought they were way too young to drink which makes the timing more bizarre because then if you're not going to use the time period why not make it a few years earlier yeah i don't remember when apocalypse was supposed to be but 83 yeah you have a lot of leeway i think i can identify the major issue with this film the scoring of this movie is just wrong i'll say this much i could at least understand people when they talked so in that regards the sound mixing was good but the scoring was just completely inappropriate in my view you just start the movie with this brooding sense because of the music and in some instances lack of music and it's just essentially trying to make you feel like this is I don't know the forgotten or something you know some sort of uh, psychological thriller horror film. I will say that yeah I I didn't enjoy the score (laughs) I definitely went through most of the movie going what is this Hans Zimmer style bullshit (laughs) (laughs) and then the credit popped up music by Hans Zimmer and I was like all right. <laughs> Wait, was it really? Yeah. I was like, well, I guess that explains why we're getting all the weird pings and bombs and things. I don't know, man. Like, when I think X-Men, I think, you know, at least some amount of happiness and whimsy. And the movie is almost devoid of that, sonically. I mean, it's almost devoid of that just end of statement. But it was just <laughs> yeah. such a... I think this is the only Marvel movie I've watched, and I've watched Venom, which I know I dislike a bit more than y'all. Like that, just it was such a joyless experience. Like it, it wasn't even like you know there was no excitement. Even like one of the big set pieces revolved around the bad guys trying to cross the street. Like that was as bombastic as they got with this like super space force aliens invading and trying to destroy the earth narrative the closest thing i can think of to something that i liked about this movie was they at least thought that the phoenix story was enough to maintain like that was the only story they needed it's not like last stand where they also shoehorned in the like cure for mutants 
also this Phoenix stuff is happening. They at least thought it could hold the movie. They were wrong, or at least this particular screenwriter was not able to make that happen. But I appreciate that they at least tried that. Beyond that, I mean, really, from soup to nuts, there is not a lot of good going on in this movie. And would they try to bring in something else, which is that just kind of in the background, oh, non-mutants are accepting us. Oh, wait, no, they're not. They want to round us up again. And I'm like, why do we have to put that in there again? Every single time. I would time. love to know the story of how people got from Apocalypse, where Magneto was literally like destroying entire cities, pulling <laughs> them apart. And like, you know, we were truly near the end of the world to everyone is OK with the mutants and Magneto gets his own island for some reason and yeah then as you point out we have to bring it back to everyone hates the mutants again i mean i guess i didn't mind the everyone hates the mutants again because it did kind of drive home like just how much of like on a knife's edge they are like public opinion could turn at any moment despite like professor x's like hardcore pr work that i guess rehabilitated mutants to me that's just such a weird story to gloss over that they were able to rehabilitate from nearly like mutants nearly destroying the world to like yeah again the fact that people are even okay with them to like gene gray destroys like one house and then everyone's right back at like oh my god we just we can't do this we can't have the mutants anymore no 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 she flipped over a couple of cop cars assumedly killing the cops inside oh that that's was right what, that the was military and the police the, were involved uh, yes this she was crossed that thin blue line i mean this is one of those movies where they flip cop cars over and somebody actually gets hurt. Usually, <laughs> nobody's hurt when things get flipped over. Yeah, it's a weirdly violent movie at times. Like, okay, fine, like, Jean Grey is killing people because she's possessed by the Phoenix Force or whatever, right? But, like, the moment in the, to jump ahead, the moment in, like, the train car sequence where the guard dies and Nightcrawler starts just straight up murdering the aliens. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, this is a little too much, I like, I guess they're bad, but jeez. It almost felt a little bit fan service-y, like, well, in the, in the sense that I think people are like, well, why doesn't Nightcrawler just kill everybody? <laughs> like, all right, let's just because show Nightcrawler killing. Yeah. Why don't we just show Nightcrawler killing people? How would we do that? Two points uh, on Nightcrawler, and that was <laughs> one, nothing, nothing that he did lived up to the opening scene of X2, which to me is still one of the high watermarks of the series. But yeah. one of the, point two, one of the only things that I did, I think, kind of like chuckle at in the movie was he grabs one of the aliens, teleports, and for a second, like his the cloudiness, whatever appears when he teleports, is kind of obscuring the background, and he's smiling, and then he disappears, and then the train hits her. I don't know what it was about that scene, but it surprised me, and I did at least like smile at that. That is one small bit of joy that I derived from this movie. Same, it's like for five minutes, not even five minutes, for like <laughs> was, two minutes, we got Zack Snyder's Nightcrawler. Like, right. <laughs> how dare you, sir? How dare you? I will put a pin in that for the moment because I want to get back to what Kevin was saying, which is that I didn't even like, it didn't even trigger for me that Nightcrawler is murdering all these guys, which isn't something he would do because I was just enjoying the uh, train murder. <laughs> So I was like, okay, you know, that's pretty good. It's nice and inventive. I like it. So getting back to what you were saying about Zack Snyder. Okay. <laughs> the basic 
premise of this movie is essentially Superman 2 slash Man of Steel. It's aliens are coming to Earth and they're going to take over the Earth, you know, bring back their race and, you know, all you humans, you know, you're just going to die. Uh, when's the last time you saw Superman 2? Uh, I don't know, like 10 years. Because other than the Kryptonian showing up, there's like no effort to like repopulate in Superman 2. Oh, that's that's a, that's a Man of Steel thing? Yeah. Okay. I guess they're just straight up ripping off Zack Snyder then. But I mean, doing there were it scenes, poorly. There were scenes where the camera just kept shaking around, just like Man of Steel. Okay, yeah, uh, I did feel your criticism of Man of Steel where, you know, it's just shaky cam all over the place. They absolutely had that same effect here. It was quarter of the way through the film, some scene with, I think, Jean Grey. But she was just, talking to her dad. Yeah, it was just yeah, like, why it. Why is this movie just jiggling all over the place? What about you, Paul? You want to add any thoughts, defenses, pylons? I don't know. I, I, I can just pick anything, like. <laughs> you know, I was I was trying to think about these sorts of things while I was watching it because I had more time to because it was a little less interesting in and of itself. I don't know. I thought there was actually some maybe it's like in contrast, you know, because compared to coming so quickly out of Endgame where there's so many exciting sequences where I was like, I remember thinking like in the in the scene where Jean Grey goes to see her dad, I thought there was like some punchy action. Just I kind of liked the way the scene was done, like fighting with Nightcrawler, like teleporting through the various rooms of the house or like when Quicksilver is like running up the scattered pieces of debris she just like sweeps him to the side i don't know i thought there was some fun stuff i was i was entertained enough by those sequences i don't know why i thought they were kind of punchy i don't know it felt like there was a lot more that was just happening in real time or something or like maybe just minimal effects like what happened to quicksilver because until you just mentioned him i forgot that he just kind of wasn't in the back half of the movie He was in a yeah. stretcher coming out of the plane. Later. The end credits angered me because then his name came up and I was like, oh, yeah, they just cut him <laughs> off the second half of this movie. Like the most entertaining <laughs> character from maybe so mad. I don't maybe. know. Yeah, did they just imply that he was injured for the rest of the movie or I, something? Yeah, I like, missed the stretcher <laughs> thing. That makes sense, I guess. But they didn't even like wow. follow up or like <laughs> show that as like a look what she did. You know, it was just it was a very quick thing. And then like he's gone. Someone cares about him. Just not this movie <laughs> yeah so i spent a lot of the movie trying to work out what it was about it that i didn't like and i think that part of it is that the first 30 minutes or so are really plot heavy you know other after the like the intro of like gene gray her powers manifest and she accidentally kills her mom or whatever right then like they're in space and this thing is happening and all these characters are thrown at you and whoa zing boom and i was just like it just felt like there was a lot and it never felt to me like we took the time to get to know the characters at all. And I guess on some level, maybe that's because it's a sequel. But in the previous movie, I never really felt like we got to know the new characters there either. And so then having a movie that just sort of relied so heavily on them, it made me feel detached from the movie. Like I couldn't bring myself to really get that interested in what was happening because of that. Because I noticed that like when Professor X is on the 
screen, you know, it got a little more interesting. When Michael Fassbender shows up, like the movie perks up for a bit. Mm-hmm. Although maybe it was just me, but I felt like Jennifer Lawrence was really flat. Yeah, I and, actually yeah. feel like I noticed that as well. And, and not not even necessarily just her, but like something about the writing of various scenes were kind of. She was ready to be done, I think, with the series. And just, yeah, I felt like she didn't want to be there. Oh, for sure. Right. And you could even tell like the amount of makeup she was willing to put on to be Mystique has gone down steadily since the first movie. Like they they put some light blue paint on her and like four dots on her forehead seemed to be what she negotiated <laughs> down to by this film. It's contractually obligated yeah. levels of makeup. Yeah, except I read somewhere that like she pushed really hard to have Simon Kinberg be the director. And then she said she felt like she had to be a part of it for him, not because of like contractual obligation or something. So that's why I found it really strange that, yeah, she seemed so disinterested until like her death scene, basically. You know, I did not pick up on what you guys are saying. Like to me, almost the entire movie feels like I'm watching people deliver stuff stage dialogue in a play yeah i I definitely can see that yeah the dialogue it was rough the thing that stands out most to me is like the very last lines that uh buck or book or whoever they are and uh gene gray exchange like your emotions make you weak no my emotions make me strong like that's just that's not good there's a huge gap between the first line and the second line where like you're almost like oh they're not going to say the second line because they don't have to because it's implied yeah no, nope. <laughs> she says it. Good 45 oh. seconds later. Like, or like, yeah, in that scene too. Well, I guess it was before when Magneto first comes to kill her and Jean Grey's like, and now you've come here to kill me. Like, I get maybe they were going for kind of a flatness, but it just felt like more bored than it felt like cold. Something about the delivery. I don't know. It, it's hard to figure out, like, what's the personality of each of these characters without, like, leaning on information we have from the other movies. It's like, who is Cyclops? Why are he and Jean Grey to get like, do they love each other? They say they do, but I don't see anything. Yeah, I expected of... him to be more torn up when she you know, disappeared for realsies at the end. Kind of the same even with a Professor X and Mystique. I mean, he gets like one line where it's like, if you're trying to make me feel bad right after I buried my whatever surrogate sister or whatever he calls her like but beyond that like it's played completely straight like i don't know if it's the actors having nothing to work with in the dialogue or everyone knowing the writing was on the wall and that this movie was not going to spawn any more sequels but (laughs) it was just again joyless i think is what i would describe most of the viewing experience as i think that scene was like the closest to one where i actually thought it was working it's like them sitting at the table together i mean it wasn't great but well it's because there's not enough of it yeah yeah because yeah. they immediately have to move on because it's like oh emotions well ennui is a kind of emotion <laughs> <laughs> i definitely had to look it up have i seen jessica chastain and anything else because i'm pretty sure she's like a famous actress and has acting ability but does not acquit herself well here she just won like a best actress oscar a couple of weeks ago <laughs> 
actually. Well, where's where were those chops here? I know, I know. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's true for a lot of the cast. That's that what is, I was yeah. yeah. say. I mean, Everyone's... Michael Fassbender, McAvoy, like it, Jennifer Lawrence. Everyone is an amazing actor or actress, and they just do nothing really with it. Like even the ones like Michael Fassbender, like who are just bursting with talent, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they do better than the rest. Right. But, yeah. Yeah. It does seem a bit, yeah, subdued or something at times. Or like they thought shots were rehearsals and they turned out to be final <laughs> <laughs> like, Yeah, just keep it. Just I'm just going to mark this dialogue. Uh, what, that was a take? <laughs> <laughs> we'll fix it in post. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah, too much plot, not enough characterization. Disjointed just, in some ways. Felt like we were moving to different locations, but it never felt like motivated. Like, oh, now we're on Magneto's Island of Japan. Genosha, and now we're in New York, and now we're on a train, and okay, I guess. Back up. That was Genosha? I believe that's the intent, yeah. I thought that was upstate New York. <laughs> I'm not I, I'm with you. He says yeah. it's an island. They did? There was an establishing shot, I think, when we go there that shows it's an island, I believe, yeah. Where is that supposed to be, that island? Pacific? Somewhere where the U.S. owns it, I guess, so yeah. Pacific. Okay. Yeah, I did not get the sense of far away at all. I was just like, oh, she just walked like a few miles outside of a college town to this commune. <laughs> when Magneto and Jean Grey were fighting over the helicopter and they were just like, everybody jump back in the helicopter. It's like, what, what are you doing? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, I guess if it's an island and you're worried about getting off the island, which I didn't realize, but still. Like, I can barely hold her, but I can do enough to get you to safety, though. <laughs> I'm barely hanging on, but this is still your best bet. Magneto doesn't really understand how helicopters work. He's just going to hurl it as hard as he can. Hope for the best. It'll probably be fine. It'll catch air as he toss it up. Yeah, I mean, blacks out. Like when it, when it first lands and he just stops the rotor, I got to imagine that destroyed something in the transmission. <laughs> just really stripped some gears there. Yeah, geez, what does it say that for me, one of the most visceral things was something where basically a machine looked like it was being injured. <laughs> Just like, ah! <laughs> I will say that when Mystique dies, I thought to myself, oh, this is kind of like in Logan. You know, this was an accident here. It's honestly a little surprising that we don't see more people just flung into horrible, sharp objects in all of these superhero fights. Yeah, so there's certainly enough worth. hazards around. For what it's worth, uh, Simon Kinberg was on record as saying he really liked Logan. And that's why the movie's just called Dark Phoenix. <laughs> because Logan wasn't Ooh. X-Men Logan, it was just Logan. Well, that made me think, were they trying to do anything with Jean Grey getting impaled at the end, too? Like, were we supposed to think something about uh, You know, Raven all I could earlier? think when I saw that was, I've been playing too much Elden Ring. <laughs> 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 like, oh, yep, you gotta watch the guy that comes behind you and just runs you through <laughs> a giant spear. Like, did she learn her lesson at that moment? Is that what, like, what are we supposed to get from that? Or maybe it was just more Logan homage. I'll be honest with you. I watched it like what, an hour and a half ago, and I barely remember it. <laughs> All right. 
I want you all to dig deep and name something you liked about the movie that we haven't talked about. Let's start with Kevin. I like when Cyclops shoots his eye beams and uses geometry and it bounces off a couple things and hits someone. I don't even remember who he hits. I think it was in the middle of the street fight scene, but I liked that at least one time he used his like comic accurate super geometry brain or whatever the hell he has to attack that's all i got that's enough nominate the next person uh let's go on my screen clockwise to paul you know, I think I found several of the action scenes pretty entertaining, I guess. Like, I felt at least a little, maybe it's more the trajectory of, like, my thoughts on the movie as time goes on. But, like, I found the shuttle scene to be pretty engaging. Like, I was emotionally invested. I thought that was, uh, kind of set things up nicely in terms of the major kind of themes of the movie of, like, as it relates to Professor X and Jean Grey, you know, taking on all this immense power. I feel like there were some other moments that I thought were all right too. Well, there was some train. From the rest of us. Oh, okay. All right. I'll I'll wait then. Yeah. It mostly all relates to just like entertaining action scenes is what it comes down to for me. Um, going clockwise around my screen, Charlie. Back to Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> we're stuck in the eternal loop. <laughs> by by the end, we're both rating it ten. Like okay, <laughs> just let me be free. Take yeah. this from me. <laughs> I'll say the train scene i think as an action set piece it did okay i mean i thought there were some inventive things in it like i liked magneto taking all the guns and trying to shoot jessica chastain despite the fact it didn't work and we knew it wasn't going to work yeah i I liked magneto crushing the entire train car like yeah why didn't we do this before and why didn't we do that after again (laughs) that's all i can think of just like go for a partial crush crush the end of it i know you can do it after 30 years of dealing with magneto in these movies it just blows my mind that people still think it's a good idea to stick him in in like a giant metal train like at some point <laughs> folks should have caught on to like his whole deal this time it'll be different yeah. <laughs> do we know why he brought the subway train with him into the oh yeah into that building i just i remember him doing that and i was like all right so this is chekhov's subway car like <laughs> What's happen with it? <laughs> it just became like an entrance. An exit. It, it blocked the door, I think, was as far as he thought about it. Just like, ah, well, if I don't block the door, they'll just open the door and walk in. But if there's a train in the way, then <laughs> they'll probably just give up. Yeah, not like there's anything else metal nearby. He could have blocked the doorway <laughs> without pulling up a train for five minutes. You know what, with the gun thing, too, it made me realize that I was like, Magneto's use of, like, uh, multiple fine motor skill type small objects, very, very underutilized. He's always moving big things around, but he could be controlling a whole host of uh, crazy artillery, and we just don't really get to see that very often. I only think of things in video game terms, like, would this be a fun character to play? (laughs) (laughs) You've got the whole skill tree you've got to use, though, Paul. You can't just use the most efficient. Kill every time. Like, why doesn't he put all of his points into the weapon <laughs> shell or whatever? You know, like to just have like a, a giant semi-spherical array of weapons around him. Uh, how about Doug? Would you like? I liked Alexandra's ship. Yeah, I could have used more that. Storm. Agree with that. Like she felt like she felt like significantly Storm. less flat than the other characters. Like her and Cody Smith McPhee. Like I felt like we're doing yeah. Like they wanted to be there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
like they hadn't been bogged down in a franchise they didn't want to be in for like the last 10 years <laughs> they just recently onboarded yeah how about you adam still full of enthusiasm <laughs> so when i heard that this was simon kinberg's directorial debut i definitely got flashbacks to like david s goyer and blade trinity and so maybe it's because in relation to that just the fact that there aren't like misframed shots and obvious stunt doubles like up close and things like that but i actually thought like if you turned off the sound and just looked at the movie i thought it looked reasonably good there's definitely some interesting shots like one of the shots when professor x enters cerebro and it starts like straight down looking at him entering and then just kind of swoops down behind him as he goes like i thought that was an interesting shot and so like i think you know setting aside the director part of like directing actors and stuff just in terms of like the way it looks i thought it actually looked pretty good no one wanted to say anything pro or con on that no no i <laughs> i agree i, I don't i don't I love we're it. looking for charlie's validation here. well yeah I, I mean i agree with you i think a lot of fault falls with the script which i guess unfortunately yeah. also was him but <laughs> i will say to his credit he has since like owned that well, that's good yeah he's on record as saying i wrote it i directed it the fact that it didn't connect with audiences the way that i hope that's on me i respect that Hmm. you know he didn't like try to pass the buck and be like oh well we had studio interference or the fact that disney was buying fox meant we lost all our support or anything like that no he was just like yeah no it's my fault i'm sorry there is a scene where magneto puts his helmet on and then it cuts to xavier taking the cerebro helmet off that i thought was a nice visual touch like i i enjoyed the symmetry there so yeah, in terms of visuals, I think it's actually it's pretty good. If I were watching it with the sound down, I don't and not having to worry about the plot or anything, and just like there are pretty pictures happening in the background, you know, I think I'd be fine with it. It's like something you throw on the TV while you're sitting on your laptop recording a podcast. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> are you watching it again now as we speak? No, no, I'm not doing that. I've already know what it sounds like. That's the problem. <laughs> It's a great background movie. <laughs> is there a reason the aliens wanted to kill all humans or was it just more it would be more convenient to destroy us all so they could have their new planet? Because they're aliens. Hello. Pretty much. That was the extent of it. OK, so I yeah. Yeah. it's like what, it's like it what Chick-fil-A did to the Fazoli's on the west side. You know, <laughs> I don't think oh, that's I, what? What? You, I do about. not know <laughs> what that is. I don't think Kevin's a, a local Lansing boy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Someone is speaking in my language. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every, everyone's had this struggle. <laughs> everyone's what gone to the West Side Lansing Fazoli and found a Chick fil A there <laughs> and walked into the Chick fil A and said, Where are the breadsticks? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't even the same building. Anything else anyone want to mention before we wrap it up? I mean, I got a lot more to say about Fazoli's, but I'll... (laughs) (laughs) It did crack me up a little that mankind, their space development was still on par with, like, our reality, like, Endeavor taking off in 1992. But, like, the X-Men just were arbitrarily, like, wall, let's go to space. Like, we threw some new jets on the, the Black Wing or whatever it's called. 
Blackbird. They're just, just like, yeah, let's do humans, it. Humans like put their lives at risk in like the most dangerous, one of the most <laughs> dangerous space travel vehicles we've had, they, and they have superior technology to quickly go back. To, they go literally to space they duct tape a uh, a space helmet onto Nightcrawler's head, and like besides that, like they're just they're just wearing the same clothes they'd be wearing on Earth. Yeah, I did notice that. I was like, um, okay, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> guess if you're not too exposed i really had high hopes for this being more of a moonraker style movie at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do think part of the issue there is that simon kinberg's worried a little too much about following the comics probably because last stand doesn't do it at all but in the comics gene gray's phoenix powers pre-dark phoenix manifest when she's rescuing a shuttle on the moon because basically all the 70s marvel comics are cosmic in some way yeah. the movie <laughs> also suffered from lack of Jaws, continuing the Moonraker thing. I mean, all movies except for two <laughs> suffer from a lack of Jaws. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm always watching La La Land and thinking there should be more Jaws in this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're totally right. I believe the biggest disappointment in cinema for me was Jaws, precisely for that reason. You didn't get what uh, they were selling there. You thought they were uh, promising the good Jaws and you got the bad Jaws instead. What's this shark? Biggest <laughs> I want the metal switch man in history. <laughs> I just, I can't, I'm just envisioning him like, uh, on the deck of the boat, you know, with like his arms straight down on his side. Flopping <laughs> <laughs> okay, about. They had to give up on the animatronics. They, they at the last second reshoots, brought in the actor. Yeah. Okay, that has to be a Photoshop, right? Somewhere. <laughs> the Jaws poster, but with Jaws. <laughs> I don't know how you'd search for it, but. <laughs> Maybe we have to make this ourselves. So ultimately, what did you think of Dark Phoenix? Would you go up in the Blackbird and rescue it from a strange cosmic force? Or would you say, you know what? That's just uh, that's part of the risk of going into space or something. I don't know. I don't have a great comparison. <laughs> it's that kind of movie. Would you go back to save the last astronaut? Or would you say, yeah, we got yeah, the rest of them. <laughs> would you, would you leave the them? needs of the many. <laughs> Guess leave I'm asking. the movie in the airlock. <laughs> I mean, Professor X is really thinking like if we don't go back with all of them they're just going to blame us for leaving one astronaut behind and going up to space and saving the rest you know yeah, yeah he's probably that, right though he's yeah, not yeah, actually you know, they should have leaned into are. that theme <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe know? that's the most accurate part of the script I don't know in humanity's defense they are now just discovering that again after decades of perfecting space travel the X-Men were arbitrarily able to do this at any time so <laughs> I mean, two in things, dialogue, he things. says that he just did that. Yeah, he just put the booster rockets or something on it. Oh, really? Okay. See, these are the things, the little things you got to look for. I guess I'm asking, how many unearthed subway cars out of 10 would you give this movie? <laughs> For me, I know I liked this less than Venom, which only gives me like three points to work with. So that <laughs> makes it a little easier. Well, then 
Yeah, I'll go first. That's fine. Yeah, so watching this in the movie theater, I quickly found myself just very unhappy with the movie. Felt like half the cast was just very wooden and flat and didn't understand what anything was happening. And so I remember that by the time Magneto shows up, which I think is like only 45 minutes into the movie, like I remember at that point I was already so done with the movie that when he does show up, like it perked up for a bit before it just went back to just blah again. And I guess my opinion has improved a bit since then and only that i wasn't quite that checked out when magneto showed up but not long after i pretty much hit that level i think it's got too much plot i don't think it's gotten nearly enough characterization i think the too much plot that they have is also fairly disjointed so it's never really clear like it's clear if you sit down and think about it for a bit like how events are connected to each other but you don't really get that sort of visceral sense watching it of how things are connected to each other so that yeah by the end of the movie i was just i was bored i was ready for it to be done the last note i wrote in my notes here says this movie (laughs) oh (laughs) jeez which by the way in a pg-13 why did they use their for that stupid cyclops line like don't you killer or whatever it was oh it was so (laughs) awkward it was was like like, they wanted to check that box so they threw it in yeah i was just like why is this okay is it the worst thing i've ever seen no, I think Fant Forest Dick is still worse than this. <laughs> so yeah, just looking at my other movies, like, okay, I think it's better than Man Thing. I do think it's better than The Punisher, if for no other reason that it's nicer to look at. It's better than Kick-Ass 2. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to give this four unearthed subway cars out of ten. It's not the worst Marvel movie, but man, is it bad. It's not good by any stretch of the imagination. It's competent. It's nice to look at. It's competent visually, I mean, and it's got some good performances in it. But yeah, overall, just a mess and not even like an entertaining mess, just a very mediocre, boring mess or out of 10. I admit, I don't have a lot to say about this. I mean, I felt like I was forgetting this movie as I was watching it. And, uh, you know, even I'm a day out from having viewed it. And I would say I remember it about as distinctly as Days of Future Past, which I watched once five years ago or so. It was kind of dull. I mean, and that's more than anything else. It was just disappointing. Like, you know, we can nitpick what was wrong with it. But, you know, I have minimal expectations when it comes to being entertained by a superhero movie and that it did not come anywhere close to meeting those expectations. I'm going to give it I'm waffling back and forth between two and a half and three. We will go with a two and a half subway cars out of ten. So what's the half a subway car? Oh, good Lord. Or is it literally Um, half a subway car? I mean, I think it might be a literal half a subway car or like, I don't know, he flattened flattened whole train cars. I can think of no half thing in that movie. It was just all wholly not great. (laughs) Okay, we'll go with there's a half car, which is like half of a subway car. Car is half of subway car. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's okay. Yep. Um, this is a big kind of nothing of a movie. I think Kevin hit the nail on the head. I'm not going to remember any of this a month from now. I'm looking back at the movies that are even towards the bottom of my ratings so far. And at least what I can say of them is that I remember them. I remember why I didn't like them. 
we didn't even mention Sophie Turner once in our whole conversation here. I mean, <laughs> despite the fact the movie's <laughs> named after her. Exactly. And I don't think it's her fault, but even the main character doesn't really have a whole lot to do. I saw, uh, I don't know if it was some meme or some discussion of just people in superhero movies standing there against a green screen, like pretending to make things happen with the prime example of being Sophie Turner and Michael Fassbender just like sitting, they were on set and they were just sitting there pretending to manipulate a helicopter helicopter in midair so you just imagine them sitting there going <laughs> but anyway i in my head i'm picturing a stage hand with a tennis ball on a pole and <laughs> yeah. as one of them puts forth more gusto he raises it up or lowers it down appropriately <laughs> but i remember adam has said of the movie ishtar like its greatest sin was that it was boring right more than anything else Except for Charles Grodin. Except for Charles, Charles Grodin, Grodin, right. Like, I sure had Charles Grodin. <laughs> this has nothing. So I'm going to give this three subway cars out of ten. That puts it, for me, near Blade Trinity, Kick-Ass 2, Howard the Duck, which I almost would want to put Howard the Duck above this. I mean, it's an original film, at least. I'm not going to remember this film while. a month from now. More than any other movie in the March. It's like, just nothing. I mean, that's something positive to say about it. It's not so traumatic that it's going to leave a mark <laughs> on you guys like it has on me doesn't scar your psyche <laughs> you know maybe there was a good movie in there but the scoring is what makes it really fall into the depths of badness for me if it had been scored more competently i think this could have been a solidly mediocre film possibly but as it is i'm really struggling on where to go here but i think i gotta give it three and a half subway cars out of ten the half a car is it's one which didn't make it all the way out of the ground it's just half stuck underground half above ground three and a half out of ten on par with electra to wrap it up, I don't have a whole lot of new stuff to say. You guys have covered it. I feel like I gave it like a good chance. Like I knew it wasn't going to be necessarily a great movie, but I, I went in like wanting to like it, you know, trying to give it a shot. And I even kind of continued that throughout the movie. And I felt like at every turn, it just kept doing things to make me like not care. And I think in my case, I would, yeah, put that down on a lot of the lines and a lot of the delivery of those uh, lines and the score. It, it just did a lot to sort of sap the life out of it. You know, a lot of times someone would say something, like I'd be kind of into a scene, and then there'd be just kind of like a not-so-great line that was sort of delivered in a bored sort of way, and it would just take me out of it. But that said, the fact that I was even in it at all means it merits at least some score. Looking back, I would say I'm going to give this uh, four Unearth uh, train cars out of 10 because i couldn't make it match or better than you know like ghost rider spirit of vengeance because i just would feel wrong it's right down there with fant for stick that well-known cinema classic <laughs> yeah i feel like we have a very similar kind of viewing experience with both of those movies yeah at least dark phoenix is nicer to look at than fant for stick was yeah that's fair but anyway, thanks everyone for joining us on our 68th installment of the Mary Marvel Movie March. I guess that means you know what installment's coming next. Paul, hmm? if this was the 68th installment. Oh, oh, nice. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I zoned out for a second and I was like, I, I sorted the page and I got to get it back into release order. 
But we're going to move forward in time one entire week to the June 14th, 2019 film, Men in Black International. Oh. Which I've seen and can, I think, say without fear of reservation that it is better than Dark Phoenix. Actually, I don't mind Men in Black International. But anyway, getting ahead of ourselves. So I hope you enjoy us for that. And uh, I'm sure we'll have other shenanigans. Not full shenanigans, but just general shenanigans in other episodes coming up that we hope you also check out. Or, you know, you could just live your life free of podcasts. Like, that's an option. I wouldn't recommend it. But. Who does that? What? I met a guy who who does. I gave him a podcast episode suggestion. He took it. And I was like, what'd you think? And he's like, uh, podcasts just aren't for me. <laughs> Who's just like able to just sit alone with their thoughts and not just have people <laughs> droning on while they <laughs> well adjusted people? I We're, assume. What's up with these people? We're past that as a society, you know. We never yeah, have to be bored I don't again. Think anyone could do that anymore. <laughs> we agreed as a society. Podcast twenty four seven. That's the only reason we have so many in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing our part that's right yeah if you're not well adjusted listen to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> it ain't gonna solve your problems but, but... it might mask them for a bit <laughs> <laughs> i'm adam Gobeski. and i'm charlie Walsh. uh special thanks to our three mm, i guess explosive still they're, they're still very explosive guests got what explosive <laughs> what's the why what exploded uh jean gray at the end kind of exploded she just kind of oh exploded. she you know. she went dancing with jessica chastain into the sky <laughs> <laughs> that's what i saw i wanted to be phoenician or rise <laughs> from the ashes there you go oh okay our three phoenician guests there's Paul Wilcox. It was a pleasure. Doug Gobeski. Very appropriate because this movie utterly destroyed me. <laughs> <laughs> you had to listen to a podcast while it was, watching it. <laughs> it was fun to podcast about. That is true. And Kevin Fredemog. Thanks as always for having me. Ooh, X-Men Dark Phoenix. All right. <laughs> That's our show. Don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook, just like the Gobeski Wallace Report, and you can also follow us on Twitter at GW Report. And check out our website, thegobeskywallsreport.com. That's probably the important bit. Well, yeah, I guess all the other links are there, so if you remember <laughs> one thing, remember that. Not your name, but GobeskiWallaceReport.com. <laughs> More important than your name. So she gave him all the Thanos snap. And what I thought, two things. One was, okay, it's the Thanos snap. And two. Was, Sounds like a dance. I'm <laughs> <laughs> TikTok kids. Yeah. <laughs> Thanos is in Fortnite now. Watch him do his famous snap. <laughs> yeah, TikTok challenge where you do a snap and then you throw a full vacuum cleaner bag at your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.
So to do the uh, guy who's only seen Boss Baby thing, I thought that the uh, it was kind of a nice touch with the recontextualizing the memory at the end of the movie where they were showing Professor X's memory of talking to Mr. Gray about his daughter, realizing that, oh, Professor X is the supportive one who's you know willing to love this child and do what he can to, to help her grow, much like like how in Hardcore Henry, oh, I guess I shouldn't tell you that. It would spoil the movie for you. Never mind, cut this. <laughs> okay. I don't want to spoil it for you. I do wonder if maybe the movie would have been more interesting had they not shown Professor X being supportive right at the beginning. Like, maybe have us feel like he's done something really wrong. I mean, mm, maybe. wait, wait, wait. Maybe wait, wait, just but... go, lean into it a little bit more. Yeah, like okay. you believe that he's totally so... good at the beginning, and then you see, like, the memories in your brain, and you're like, Oh, he's bad, but... So you're essentially describing X-Men The Last Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't remember that movie well enough to get what you're saying here. Where Kylo is like, I was asleep one night and Luke came in to murder me. And Luke's like, Kylo was asleep on that one night and I thought about murdering him, but I decided not to. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's basically what happens, right? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was like, he was, he was ready enough to do it that he drew his weapon. <laughs> yeah, I forgot what that was, man. Yeah, no, this was much better than that. Well, but that's what Charlie's looking for. It's like, oh, Gene Gray, Professor X was going to murder me. No, I was only thinking about it. I didn't do it. 